Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of I Know Why the Nick Caged Bird Sings. The podcast where we watch every Nicolas Cage movie in chronological order so that you don't have to. My name is Steve. I will be your host for this evening. Joining me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Hannah Martin. Hannah, how are you today? Very uh, happy to be back. Yeah, yeah, we took a, a little bit of an extended break. It was nice. Yeah, Having last week off. was, uh, what's the holiday? <laughs> it was President's Day. <laughs> I was going to say Memorial Day, President's Day. Yeah, no, we, we've got some time until... <laughs> Um, memorial day memorial day so what was that i know hannah gives me shit i i think i say memorial day weird yeah Me- you do i don't i i can't you hear put it. the emphasis on the mem instead of the oriole memorial day well now you sound crazy <laughs> <laughs> it's just memorial day not like memorial day and then sometimes honestly, you say it like memorial day <laughs> i honestly as you're saying it now cannot hear the difference oh <laughs> So we're not here. I'm going to put a poll to figure (laughs) out how to do that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) How do you say Memorial Day? Yeah. So we're not here to talk about Steve's (laughs) speech impediment. Um, We're here today to talk about a movie called Trapped in Paradise from 1994. A very brief overview is that Nicolas Cage plays one of three brothers along with uh, John Lovitz and Dana Carvey. And they rob a bank. And I guess I'll just kind of leave it there. There's a lot that surrounds it, but we'll leave it there for now. Yeah. It's a Christmas movie as well, I should probably also say. It's a loving Christmas movie about some bank robbers. It's as much of a Christmas movie as Home Alone is. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Like in that it takes place on Christmas. Yeah. But it it could take place any time of year. Mm -hmm. Kind of. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So we like to start the podcast by Hannah relaying some behind-the-scenes stories of what happened during the filming of this movie. Maybe a little bit about where Nick Cage is at in his life, or maybe where he, how he got the job. So what have you got, Han? First, we'll talk about the ratings. Oh, um, yeah. I always forget the ratings. What are the ratings for this it's movie? It's all good. So it's a 6 out of 10 on IMDb and a 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. So 10 is tied with firebirds for the second lowest that we've seen so far the lowest being zero correct yes and do you remember <laughs> what that was can't even remember what that movie was called it was so bad deadfall yeah that movie was that out of my memory horrific it was about con men conning each other and who could be the best con oh man. yeah <laughs> but nick cage played like a coked up nothing person oh no mommy i loved that mommy Awesome and long, my man. Awesome and long, my man. That was a bad we, movie. We go home soon now, my man. That was a bad movie. We go home soon. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm getting flashbacks from you saying that. So anyhow, <laughs> what do we got this week for some behind the scenes for Trapped in Paradise, 1994? So I found a fantastic interview with John Lovitz. Great. Um, I've, I've mentioned this before, but when I'm doing my research for... These movies, <clears throat> I often like to check out what some of Nick Cage's co-stars have said about him or what the director said about him or any information like that. So I came across some gold from John Lovitz. Ooh. John Lovitz is a great comedian. He's often referred to as a lot of like the SNL guys, like those from his era, will say that he was the funniest guy on set. So would you say that he has good taste in comedy then? I would think so. Okay. So... uh he is asked about what it was like to be in Trapped in Paradise. Uh-huh. And he says, well, I feel like I'm very fortunate to be in movies at all, but we called Trapped in Paradise Trapped in Shit. 
Okay, you're going to need to elaborate on that. <laughs> he said, I love Dana, and Nick Cage was great, and we became good okay. friends. But the director, George Gallo, just wasn't there. He wasn't directing, and it was a bad time. <laughs> so he he was he's talking about this movie was filmed in um, California, but it actually takes place in Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, in Paradise, Pennsylvania, which is a real town. Is it? Okay. In Lancaster County. Gotcha. So if you're familiar with Lancaster, it's like Amish country. Mm-hmm. Um, small towns. Small towns. Uh, outside of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. They were filming in Canada in the middle of nowhere, and everyone was going crazy because they would do a ton of night shoots for like six weeks, and it was very cold, about 25 degrees below zero. Whoa. So they were all like very miserable and then they moved into toronto for some filming so they were shooting inside and he said like it wasn't fancy but inside during the day like that felt like a luxury hmm. um as soon as we were able to work in daylight my mood changed so everyone on this on this set was i guess like pretty tense and didn't want to be there mm. so that contributed to them calling it trapped in shit <laughs> but with the director the director would just be like hey just do whatever you want which seems to be a theme with a lot of these Nick Cage yeah. movies where the director, like, specifically Chris Coppola, Nick Cage's brother, yep. was like, bruh, bruv, bruv. <laughs> I've been talking in a Swedish accent. It's recently. been a rough two weeks in this household. <laughs> he, they'd be like, hey, bro, like, just do whatever you want. Yeah. So this George Gallo oh. guy apparently said that. And he apparently apparently was bragging about what a great director he was before he hired them. What was he known for directing previously no idea okay he said i'm as good as rob reiner and martin scorsese yikes and john lovett said don't you think that you should let other people say that (laughs) (laughs) and then uh they didn't even read the script he would just be like all right let's rehearse this thing with the cameras rolling (laughs) yeah that's so expensive and then he would just start screaming at everyone and be like do whatever you want (laughs) and and john lovett was like and i said saying do whatever you want is not direction no. So six weeks in, Nicolas Cage took over directing this movie. <laughs> oh my God, Han. Oh, Jesus. So Nick, they were filming this one scene and Nick was like, George, what do you want me to do? And George goes, do whatever you want, which is a common theme here now. Mm-hmm. And Nick goes, no. <laughs> and he basically just ended up directing that scene because they had to like choreograph it. Does it it's- say what scene? Yeah, it it says it's a scene where they had to take trash bags out of the trunk of a car and change their clothes. And it was just like really complicated, apparently, to coordinate and choreograph. Well, that scene must have been cut because we didn't see it. No, I think we saw that. Remember, we saw them in a diner late in the movie and we were like, they changed their clothes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We were like, when did their clothes change? So his well, scene got cut. Yeah, they cut it. Be- the director probably cut it because he didn't like that he didn't get to direct it himself. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, he said that uh, he did, he they did this movie and he was like, oh, I thought it would be fun, but what made me really angry was that the director started blaming us and said that I didn't know my lines, which was total bullshit. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, if this is Nick Cage's directorial debut, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's not that bad. No. So Nick apparently like took over halfway through filming. Jesus. I I wish there was a breakdown. Maybe we could try to p- figure out scene by scene well, which ones he directed. You probably could. But yeah. it is funny because throughout the movie, Steve and I kept looking at each other and being like, what is his character? 
Yeah. And I realize now it's he didn't have any direction. No. So he was just like, I'm, I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm just going to be me. And then he just was him. Yeah. I, I think he was honestly, pretty cagey in this movie. Yeah. And this was like great for us, <laughs> you know, like compared to the last movie oh we my saw. God. Yeah. He did nothing cagey in the last movie. What was that? The one about the lottery? Yeah. <laughs> it could happen to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah I, it was just a breath of fresh air it really was this one it was it was a real return to form it was a real uh you know splash of cold water in the face right but i i'm trying to stay objective and think of these movies like separate from each other mm-hmm. not i know that we're comparing them in order to rank them mm. but not comparing based upon what i had just seen and i'm thinking to myself the last movie we saw of his, he was not cagey at all. So this, like I said, felt like a breath of fresh air. But if I had seen this right after like Deadfall or right after Vampire's Kiss, I may not feel the same way about it. Right. Right. Because he was extra high level. Right. Top of the mountain cagey in Vampire's Kiss right. and Deadfall. That, I mean, he was, that was nouveau shamanic. In, at its core. At his core. Yeah. yeah. He, what does he say? He like bases it off of shamans and he Probably. has, he, he's there's like some interview that we'll get to one day like in the in the year that it came out but i'll i'll give you a little uh taste of it apparently he um would i I think i've mentioned this before but he he bases a lot of this off of like kabuki like japanese kabuki i think you have so he has like painted his face all white with like black triangles around his eyes and just like ran around and like been like like uh yeah Mm -hmm. uh yeah Uh uh-huh Yep. Holy shit. What are we even doing? <laughs> I don't... Yeah, because... Oh, my God. So, last weekend, we took off. And the weekend before, he was so not cagey that it didn't feel like a cage movie. So, this this one really... This, this one was tough to watch for me. <laughs> Even though, like you said, he's not nearly as cagey in this movie as he was in Vampire's Kiss or Deadfall. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, anyhow... Right before we get into the movie, I just want to read like the last paragraph oh, of please. this interview because I, I laughed pretty hard. So <laughs> John Lovitz goes, I don't even care. I'm going to tell everybody about how bad this guy was, meaning the director. Right. He wouldn't even come out of his tent. It was freezing cold. We were out doing the shooting the scene and there's a problem on set and he's like 50 yards away in his tent. And we go, George, what do we do? There's a problem. And he goes, I'm looking at fucking Jupiter. What? Like in a telescope? I think so. That's such a weird thing. How are you on set with Nicolas Cage and you're not the weird? And you're and the you're weirdest. Not, yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I also looked up just briefly. I was curious what this director, what else this director has done. Do you know off the top of your head? So he wrote and directed this movie, and he's also mainly known for writing the Bad Boys movies, like the Martin Lawrence Will Smith cop uh team up mm. movies hilariously enough what do you got dana carvey and john lovitz were going to do bad boys together oh my god yes i knew that actually i and heard they an interview... hated working with this director so much yeah that's like the next part of this article yeah i i heard an interview with john lovitz somewhere <laughs> recently not recent recent but a few months ago and now that you mention it it's all coming back you're right it was supposed to be lovitz and carvey 
for the original Bad Boys, but they changed it to uh, Will Smith and who did I just say? Martin Lawrence. Yeah, because George Gallo wrote the script. Yeah. They read the script. They were like, oh, my God, this is shit. Just like trapped in shit. Yeah. Wow. So funny. What a small world we live in here. I know. (laughs) And I feel like ever since we watched those David Lynch Lynch movies, I've heard a lot about David Lynch. Yeah. I ran into, I was at like a restaurant or something. Oh, no. I forget where I was, but the some like the waitress or something had a tattoo, and I was like, "Oh, what is that?" And she was like, "Oh, it's Twin Peaks." And yeah. then I was able to be like, "Oh, are you a?" I I, felt, I don't know. I felt like a movie buff, uh-huh. which yeah. I've never felt before. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, hmm, are you a a David Lynch fan?" And Ooh. she goes, "I love David Lynch," and I was just like, "Well, I know." I know who he is. <laughs> Have you ever seen Industrial Symphony Number no. 1? Have you ever seen Industrial Symphony Number no. 1? Because let me tell you. The dream of the brokenhearted? Yikes. Okay. So is that what you've got for that's our background stories? Yeah. Okay. I think, that's, so, I think that sets the mood well. All right. So the next portion of this podcast is that we're going to go through the movie Nick Cage Scene by Nick Cage Scene. And as I mentioned in the beginning, he and Lovitz and Dana Carvey are the stars of this movie. So Nick Cage is in a lot of this movie. So we'll try to tear through it somewhat quickly. We say that every week. Every episode ends up being around 45 minutes anyway. And uh, yeah, so we'll go through and Hannah will add her commentary and then we'll give out some awards at the end. You ready? Yeah, this is what you it's what you guys came here it's for. It's what you're here for. It's what you signed up for. <laughs> All right, so the movie opens up in a weird way in the sense that it's just a New York City street and somebody drops their wallet and it gets kicked around New York because people are too busy to look down and see what they... I'm a New Yorker. Hey, this is New York. Hey. You mess with one of us, you, you mess, mess with, with all of us. us. I gotta get to work. Yeah, I don't have time. Get out of my way. I'm have... walking here. I don't have time to look down at somebody's wallet. Oh, what I kick? Was it a rat? Uh, it's probably a rat. <laughs> probably a rat. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it makes its way all the way down a subway, like to a subway station. And Nick Cage picks it up. And... He looks, he's like, oh, man. He see, he's, he's like, maybe I can steal it. Like, you can kind of see this all in his face. Mm-hmm. And he's like... There's like 800 bucks in there. And then yep. but there's also like a picture of the guy's family. He's like, oh, he's got a family. And the camera stays still and he walks off camera and back on camera a few times. Like, you can see him kind of going through. Which I mind. thought was good directing. Sure. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> maybe the one scene. Maybe he, maybe Nick Cage directed this he scene. He must have. Yeah. So... Yeah, he walks off and he walks back on and he goes, and we're like, oh, we're in for a treat here. I'm probably not going to edit that one in because I have a lot to edit oh, in. Yeah. So I'm probably only going to edit I, in the I, screens. There's another scene like that later in the movie, not by Nick Cage, but somebody who basically does that. Anyway, we'll get to it in a minute. But so he. We find out that he returns the wallet, and we find this out because he goes to a confessional at a Catholic church. So he's in the confessional booth, and the priest is like, hey, isn't that you, Nick Cage? And it's like, even if they know it's supposed to be anonymous, this priest, he's like... He's doing a crossword puzzle. doing a crossword puzzle while Nick Cage is like, you know, I felt conflicted. I I, I should have he's taken the money. He's a New York priest. He doesn't have time to just listen. He's got t- a multitask. Oh, God, oh, God, time. What's that, a rat? It's probably a rat. <laughs> oh my god so 
the the cage and the priest are going back and forth about he him being conflicted about the wallet and because the priest is looking at the newspaper nick cage finds out that his brothers notorious criminals john lovitz and dana carvey might be released from prison early due to overcrowding and the christmas holidays <laughs> what a what a plot <laughs> what's his name george gallows the writer? <laughs> the writer and director. Jesus. What a well-written story so far, right on the first two scenes. So it then goes to the prison, and we briefly see just Dana Carvey and, and John Lovitz getting out of prison, and Nick Cage picks them up, and there's a little back and forth, which is, you know, kind of funny. It's it's John Lovitz and Dana Carvey who are both really funny. So, like, you're going to get some comedy throughout this movie. Should we explain Dana Carvey's character? Okay, yeah, we probably should. It is addressed in this scene. So it's addressed previously that Dana Carvey in particular is a kleptomaniac. Like, he will steal anything and everything. And for some reason, the first time we see him, he's got a big jawbreaker in his mouth. And then he's also doing, like, a weird grin with his mouth. That almost reminds me of, like, like the Joker or, like, something Jim Carrey might do. And he's holding it for the whole movie. So I he actually is doing an impression... Oh, okay. From what I read, I think of Mickey Rourke, but let me confirm. Yep, loosely based his character's speaking style on a young Mickey Rourke. And what I would really like you to address is yeah. Dana Carvey's character clearly has some type of like yeah. mental disability. He's like what we would say these days, at least, is that he's probably on the spectrum. On the spectrum. Yeah. But they use that for comedy. Oh, all the time. And it happens with two other characters yeah. which we'll get to yeah we'll get to those characters but it is astounding that this movie uses three, three characters three people oftentimes all three people in the same room <laughs> and people just like shit on these three characters it made and me the really uncomfortable audience is supposed to laugh at it and we're oh, just like oh god no it's like oh no they have mental issues yeah like, like we're laughing now but we're laughing at the poor choices that may have been made for the movie george gallo made exactly so nick cage picks him up from prison and they're driving in the car and i forget how the conversation gets here but i think dana carvey wants nick cage to pull over to a convenience store so that he can get some snacks because they're finally free and nick cage says something along the lines of calm down my little ones and call me dad and he does this really goofy smile at the camera yep yeah and there's just a lot of really strange faces out of our boy nick cage in this movie throughout this movie but it's also established in this scene in the car that dan uh john lovitz has a prison buddy who wants he's like oh my prison buddy wrote me this letter he wants it's this heart-wrenching letter he wants me to go say hello to his daughter down in paradise pennsylvania so it's like okay that's and nick cage is like well you're on parole and you can't leave the state so no yeah and and us as the audience are like okay so they're gonna go we we know that because the movie's called (laughs) trapped in paradise Paradise. (laughs) so they they do end up stopping at the convenience store and dana carvey just reaches over and steals a bunch of the money out of the cash register because nobody's looking inexplicably it's just open. Yeah, so <laughs> Nick Cage runs into the, the store and he's like telling him to put it back and the cops show up immediately. Then they decide to sneak out the back and then Nick Cage runs them down. I don't even know how they get out the back past Nick Cage and past the cops. But So 
they're running out the back in an alleyway, and this is where Nick Cage has his first good handful of screams as mm-hmm. he's chasing his brothers down. Yeah. So he tackles them to the ground, and he yells, And then another cop comes out and says, like, hey, freeze or something. <laughs> and Nick Cage pulls out his wallet and screams. He just, like, very quickly flashes it yeah, yeah, to yeah. make it look like it's a badge or something. Right. But it's just a Not regular wallet. To make it look like it is a badge. Yeah, but it's, but it's, <laughs> it's just, just a... It's just his wallet yeah. with his license. Yeah. And so what he then screams is... Sergeant Dickman, off-duty Queens. What is your name, rookie? Bertie. I got the mayor of my ass on account of punks like you. So stop jacking off. Get the car and pick up this scum. Move! Yes, sir. I got the mayor of my ass. I got the mayor of my ass. Because <laughs> Nick Cage always hits the curses. Mm. Hits them hard. <laughs> so they go to their mother's house and the mom's like, oh, it's so nice to have you all home. And, and she reads the, the letter out loud from the the prison buddy and that's pretty much the gist of the scene i love my ma and i love new york (laughs) everybody's ma is loved in new york she makes a great spaghetti and sauce (laughs) no gravy spaghetti and gravy i think gravy is a local philly thing is it i thought it was an italian thing i don't know i could be wrong i have no idea right american italian thing i don't think in italy anyone's saying that right (laughs) so let me see here where were we so Nick's like, oh, I gotta go to work. He goes to work as he's a restaurant manager. John Lovitz bursts in and he's like, We gotta go. You dropped your wallet at the scene. They're after you. The cops are at mom's house. We gotta go right now. So he's like, Oh my god, we gotta we gotta run. Then they uh they start driving and they, they go south and they're in New Jersey and John Lovitz is on a phone booth in New Jersey, very obviously faking talking to his mom. Being like, oh, what? The cops are still there? We can't go home yet. Oh, I don't know. I guess we should just go to paradise so that we can go talk to this girl or something. So he's, I don't know why I wrote it here, but we talked about it already. Uh, fantastic facial expressions throughout this entire scene and throughout this entire movie. Nikki, but, Nikki Kim? By Nikki Kim, yeah. And here's another great scream right in this scene. You know, John Lovitz is like, I think we should go to paradise. And <laughs> Nick Cage, he's got this weird, like, speech pattern where he's like you know and his scream is i'll insert it i guess but it's the whole time you stand there with this who me expression on your face yeah anyway so that's pretty good so they end up driving down to paradise and they pull into the town and this is where we see the second mentally disabled person oh God. because they almost run him over. He, he turns out he's a cop on a horse. Yeah. So I don't, because he's the sheriff's son. Son. Anyway. So now uh, we're two for two. Yeah, we're two <laughs> for two. Then, so the cops are like, hey, I had no, no trouble here. Can we help you with anything? And they're like, yeah, we're looking for this guy's daughter. Her name's Sarah. And he's like, the cop's just like, oh, yeah, the only Sarah in town works at the bank. It's like, this is a big town. You told Sarah's me there's one Sarah. Sarah's a very common name. Absolutely. It's a biblical name, and they're in an Amish town. <laughs> exactly. There's probably a million Sarahs. Sarahs are a dime a dozen in, like, <laughs> Lancaster County. Yeah. Anyhow. She could have moved. It's just lazy writing. Oh, it's totally lazy writing. 
don't know why. Why did he write in three mentally disabled characters? Because he sucks. That's terrible. Oh, my God. <laughs> so they decide to go but to... But, like, yeah. for comedic effect. I know. That's the point. Right. It's whatever. Write in mentally disabled characters. But, it's, but don't make them a spectacle. It's supposed to be a lighthearted movie, a Christmas movie. So... They go to the bank, I guess, to try to find Sarah. When they get to the bank, they realize things like the only guard is this 90-year-old man who's fast asleep. The cameras are The wires are cut. The wires are cut. The vault is wide open. Things like that. So in order to really test... No, it's not. What? The vault's not wide open. It is the first time they go in. Oh. Yeah, we'll get to that in in like one second. (laughs) Sorry. No, it's okay. But... So they're like, obviously, they could rob this bank blind. So they do things like Dana Carvey steals a bunch of pens that was born. Every pen in the entire But Nick Cage goes up to the guard and he starts flicking his earlobe. (laughs) Super strange. It's so disrespectful. So then they look in the the vault or something. They can kind of see in. And Nick says something along the lines of, Ah, uh, you know what? It's a small town. There's probably not that much money. And then on cue, three guards show up with five giant bags of money. And they're like, here's that $275,000 we have for you. And Nick, Lazy writing. Right. And Nick looks at that and he just starts gagging immediately. <laughs> just... Tongue out. Tongue wide out. Tongue straight Wide out. eyes. Tongue, wide. Oh, yeah. tongue straight out. And, like, he had just taken a puff of smoke, but mm-hmm. of a cigarette, cigarette, too. So it's, like, smoke's coming out as he's gagging. But he's not... Sh- he doesn't close his mouth. It's just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry, that was probably gross to hear. Like, nobody's... I'm not sorry. <laughs> nobody, nobody probably listens to this on, like, their Bluetooth speakers. It's all in their ears. So we just gagged directly into people's ears. So they get in the car on their way out of the bank and along the way somewhere nick cage decides that he's finished being a good person and he's like yeah no let's totally rob this bank he's not even coerced it's like his own idea it was his idea he was like yeah we should they don't really have any security measures why 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 but then he gets really pissed because the the brothers are like oh yeah there's probably guns in the car He's like, ah, oh, guns in the car, pull over right now. And it's like, yeah, well, we borrowed this car from Pistol Steve or something. You gonna rob a bank without a gun? Right? So the next scene we see him in is that they go to, uh, not a gun store, like a convenience store. I guess. And this is where we see the third mentally disabled person because it's <laughs> three like- Three for three, baby. It's like the the two, they're trying to be like the two villains of the movie. He's trying to write them as, like, the smart one and the dumb one. Like the Harry and Marv. I don't get it. But it's not. It's really... There's multiple villains in this movie. Like, they didn't... They didn't need to be a part of this. No, they really didn't. They added nothing. Honestly, it'd be a much better movie without these two. Because they pop up all the time. It's true. They're just these (laughs) bumbling idiots. These stereotype... But there are are enough bumbling idiots that you, you get... You right. get that already. You're like, you're sick of more. bumbling idiots by that. <laughs> uh, so, so also in the scene, they're bu- so what they're doing in this convenience store is they're buying new jackets. They're buying sunglasses. Oh my God. are beautiful. 
Can you describe? I don't even know how to like describe a this. Child's sunglasses. plastic. They're green. They're like plastic green sunglasses. They're bright orange. But they were green. No, they're very orange. I think they're bright green. I wrote Did down. Did you write down that they're nice orange, orange sunglasses? Uh, Mobby. <laughs> Maybe I'm colorblind. We we gotta get your memory checked or something. <laughs> you have a pretty bad memory. Um. Do you know what else happens in this scene? Is it the Captain Crunch? Well, yeah, but that's not really. I didn't even write that down. It's pretty stupid. Uh, what's his name? Dana Carvey steals some Captain Crunch, spills it all over the floor. But Nick Cage, they're like, oh, so you fellas from around here? When they're going to buy their ski masks and their sunglasses and jackets. And Nick Cage says, no, we're just passing through. And he does this or something. <laughs> Do you remember that? You want to describe? For the audio? I was hoping you could describe because I don't know how to describe what I just did. It's almost like he does like the this really crazy hand motion. I can't. It's describe like it. when you have a baby and you're like, here comes the airplane with a spoon mm. and the food, but without the spoon, and you're just like swerving through the air with your hand. I like that. Okay, you're right. Good. See, I needed help with that. <laughs> Okay, so the next scene is the big bank robbery scene. What we've been waiting for. Exactly. And so they burst into the bank, and there are tons of screams in, in this And also in patrons. Scene. There are a lot of people in this bank. Tons of people in this bank, and it's Christmas Eve. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, the bank's open on Christmas Eve. Second of all, there's like 30 people in this bank. I don't understand. Anyway, they get in. They do all of these screams, including just a giant fuck and ah, it's a goddamn robbery and who are you and key, key. And and when she's like, uh, she's like, where's a. <laughs> She's like, well, the vault doesn't open, so you know. Oh my god! This yeah, part. This she's is like, what I was thinking of. The vault doesn't open, so you know, you need the the bank. You need the key. President. All right, well, can we talk about the wife of the? <laughs> what about her? She was just so reckless. Who is talking? Well, who are you? I'm married to Mr. Anderson. Ooh, lucky him. The president of the bank. Uh, uh, the the bank vault is closed right now. It's locked. She's just so nonchalant. Like she, she has a gun to her head and she's like, well, why are you trying to rob my bank? Yeah. <laughs> like talking back to them. Right. <laughs> like, lady. So if it's not clear. You're being held at gunpoint. <laughs> yeah. So if it's not clear from the screams that I inserted, mm, yeah, they burst in and they're like, everybody put your hands up and like somebody open up the vault and the old woman goes, well, you can't open up the vault because you need the president or the bank owner. You need the key. And then Nick screams about key. <laughs> and then and then she's oh, like, they well. They keep doing this bit, too, where like everyone's hands are up in the air. <laughs> and then John Lovitz will be like, if you know where the key is, raise your hand. And, <laughs> and then like, everyone's hands are already in the air. So he'll be like, okay, everyone, put your hands down. Do you know where the key is? Raise your hand. And then everyone's like trembling. And they're like, are you putting your hands up? I can't tell. <laughs> It's locked. All right, who's got the key? Raise your hand. Ra oh. All right, lower your hand. Who's got the key? Raise your hand. 
Yeah. So they realize that the only way to get the key is from the bank owner who's having lunch across the street. Oh my god. So that's when Nick screams things like, I want to get back! So he gets over to the cafe, and this is... So they cut back and forth between the cafe or, or wherever the bank owner is getting lunch and the the bank. And this is where John Lovitz is great at this because not only did he do the whole <laughs> bit with the hands raised up and hands down, he but he's also like, like, okay, guys, anybody here been through a bank robbery before? Show of hands. And their hands are already <laughs> yeah. up. And he does the whole thing again. And then he's also like, well, you know what? It's Christmas Eve, so why don't we start singing some carols? And like everybody starts singing Christmas carols. <laughs> he has carols. everyone do yoga. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, okay, everybody, we're going to focus on our breathing. <gasps> Ooh, in, out, in, out. <laughs> and like he's holding up the bank in a skit. Like it's really funny. But anyhow. It's probably all his doing. Because the oh, director's yeah. like, just do whatever you want. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he's, no, he, he's from SNL. He's known mm-hmm. for his improv. So, there were a few things that we could tell was improv yeah yeah there's another big uh, moment coming up later but Mm -hmm. so nick cage is in the cafe and he's like the uh the cashier the or the waitress starts moving and and he's just like where are you going what are you doing and she's like i'm going to get the money from the register if you're robbing us and this is one of the best screams because it's (laughs) even in the trailer he goes and he like holds his fists up in the air as he does it too. It's fantastic. So <laughs> he's with Dana Carvey in this cafe and they're like trying to drag the bank owner back across the street. And Dana Carvey's like, well, hey, if you leave with just this one guy, any one of these people can call the cops before, you know, we can get the money. And so the next thing you see is them waving the entire lunch restaurant, restaurant the lunch all rush the restaurant, pa- just across <laughs> the, the street. All the patrons. Yeah, all the patrons. All the workers. Just everybody's going across the street into the bank. To so the this bank. is like an actually pretty funny like, it was, thought. It was very funny. It was yeah. very funny. Yeah, like a good scene. So anyhow, they're back in the bank and John Lovitz is doing his yoga. And Nick Cage, he's, he's in the vault and he's you know, trying to get the money. He hits a trip wire, so the sirens are going off. And Dana Carvey's, you know, the wheel man. He's outside in the in the car, and he hears the sirens, so he takes off and leaves his brothers there behind him. Don't know why, even though they were, like, on their way out with the money. And Dana Carvey just, like... He's, a, he's not all the way there. I guess that's true. But Dana Carvey, like, abandons them a, abandons them a few times, anyhow. So they get in the car eventually yeah eventually and then they park and they go to switch cars and he throws his glasses away and he realizes oh, i still have the vault keys and they just kind of laugh and go haha same time next year boys you know whatever but it's also in this moment where i really noticed that nick cage's new york accent is <laughs> fleeting it goes in and out it's fleeting is to say the least it is just it's there when it wants to be there. It is a mind of its own, this <laughs> this New York accent. Probably not too dissimilar from mine earlier in this podcast. Probably. You're probably <laughs> right. Yeah. And they're also in the car. They're like, hey, why did you leave us behind? Or no, they're trying to escape the town. And Dana Carvey is like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going north. I made four lefts. And Nick Cage screams once again. Fantastic scream. Four lefts is a circle, you idiot. It's a good scream. Yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, a cop sees them as they're rolling, driving around in circles and starts tailing them. And 
they are slipping and sliding around because it's starting to snow and there's lots of snow piling up on the ground and they end up driving their car off of a small cliff and they're all fine and I probably won't insert it but Nick Cage is screaming ow 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 you know pretty normal like reasonable to be screaming then some dude drives up out of nowhere and he's like hey guys I saw the whole crash like, are you okay are you when okay you co- when you come home with me exactly <laughs> So they they get in the car and this guy's like, again, he's singing Christmas carols and everybody's singing along. And uh, of course, he's taking them back to paradise. And Would you say that they uh, keep getting trapped in paradise, Oh, Steve? man. This is also like a terrible comedic version of Red Rock West. Yeah. So also, so he's like, why don't you come with me to my family? We're going to my uncle's dinner. And who's his uncle? Owner of the bank. Owner of the bank, of course. And they're like, oh my God. And there's a little scream there, of course. But if you recall, they had ski masks on. So the owner of the bank would not recognize them. Right. Although he does from the day, earlier that day when they come into the bank. Right, when they were scoping out the place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Dana Carvey was stealing all of the pens. (laughs) Right. Like that's a big... And he like took a bite out of a um gingerbread man ornament on the tree yeah it's just there are so many moments like that like dana carvey taking a bite out of a gingerbread man and then somebody coming up and being like it was actually sarah the girl they're looking for hey that's for the children and then they just move on and it's just this boring little beat and you're like who cares there are so many moments like that in this movie Mm -hmm. we're only really highlighting the best ones Mm -hmm. if you can believe it (laughs) yeah i know we're highlighting the ones that involve Nicholas. Yeah. So they're at the bank owner's house now, and they find out, like, oh, you also spoke to Sarah at the bank. She rents one of our rooms upstairs, so of course she lives with them, too. But it's so weird because it's it's like a very typical single-family home. Oh, yeah. yeah it's like, not like... Yeah. You know... Why, who rents this yeah. house? Who rents, who a, rents room a room in, in someone's family home? Right. <laughs> right. Like, I'm imagining my parents renting out my bedroom. Right. Like, oh, no, it's just Jeff. He stays here yeah. sometimes. Yeah, and then he, like, uses your kitchen. He gives us, yeah, he gives us, like, 400 bucks a month. <laughs> You're like, what? No, you don't need this. Why are you doing this? You own a bank. <laughs> I guess to help her out. I mean, they're, everyone's, like, the whole point is everyone in this town are such good people. Yeah. Yeah, they're, like, the nicest people in the world. Like the cotton candy taco. <laughs> oh my god, of human kind. Yeah. yeah. So they're hanging out at this house and they're like, you know, cold and wet from crashing their car. And so they give them money and they give them presents and they give them like new sweaters and stuff to change into. These people are just so nice. And John Lovitz sees his old prison buddies on the TV. And so John Lovitz decides, and it turns out that they either escaped or they got out of prison as well as Lovitz and Carvey. And uh, they escaped. They escaped? Is that what it was? Mm -hmm. Okay. Because they found out about the bank robbery. Yeah. So really the whole thing is that the John Lovitz's prison buddy told John Lovitz that there's this bank that my daughter works at. Sarah. Sarah. And it's poorly guarded you know the the guard is never awake the cameras are never plugged in it's an easy hit and as soon as i get out of here i'm gonna steal all the money from that bank it's my mark and if anybody takes it you're dead 
So what John Lovitz does is because he gets out of prison early. He lies about the letter. Right. The heartfelt letter saying that, right. you know, his prison buddy was like, oh, my God, you got to go see my daughter and tell her I love her or whatever and say hello to her for me. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm ever getting out of here or something like that. So that's ultimately John Lovitz knew about the bank, knew about the poor security. Right. And wanted to, I guess, entice his brother who has spent much of his life now away from crime, meaning Nick Cage. Yeah. And bring him back into it. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's the summary. That's the main thing. Because that saves a lot of headaches because we kind of slowly figure that out throughout the movie. We're going to spoon feed it to you because it wasn't us. (laughs) Because because you don't want to watch this movie. Because it doesn't matter. None of this matters. No, nothing matters. And there's also a moment Everything's where, made up and the points aren't real. <laughs> everything's made up and the points don't matter. The points don't matter. <laughs> Whose line is it anyway? <laughs> Drew Carey. R.I.P. No, he's not dead. <laughs> oh my God. I was like, what? No. <laughs> he was just on The Masked Singer. <laughs> oh my God, was he? <laughs> yeah. That's terrible. He was the... Oh, sorry if anyone cares Spoiler about alert for The, the Masked, Masked Singer. singer. Something I don't watch. I've seen one episode. (laughs) We have a lot of the same fans. This podcast and The Masked Singer have a lot of the same fans. So I'll have to put in a time code or something. I was, I'll admit, I kind of hated on it. I was like, oh, this is stupid. And then I watched it. I was like, oh, wow, this is kind of (laughs) fun. Anyway, he's the llama. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for spoiling it, man. So anyway, they're still at the bank owner's house and there's and john lovitz kind of realizes that his buddies got out of prison so first thing he does is call he calls his mother's house turns out that these guys are kind of holding their mother hostage nick cage is kind of talking to john lovitz in this scene and i don't know if you picked up on this i didn't bring it up when we were watching it but nick cage he keeps talking to john lovitz and then looking away and then he'll look back and talk to john lovitz and say something and then look away like he's reading a cue card or something well, if you recall from that article that I read you, the director you kept that... complaining to John Lovitz that he didn't know his lines. So I wonder if he also complained to Nick that he didn't know his lines. Maybe Nick legitimately didn't know his yeah. lines. And he had to keep looking away. <laughs> but it was only in this scene. I kept looking for it throughout the rest of the movie, and it was only in this scene. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, let's see. Oh, you know, and then, of course, there's the sappy scene at the dinner table where the bank owners are like, oh, this will probably put us out of business with that robbery. And, uh, yeah, so they're like, okay, well, why don't we drive you to the bus station and you can take a bus to Philly to take a train back to New York because it's terribly snowy out there, what have you. And he goes to the bus station and there's this gob. Working, working the counter, a grumpy old bitch, as we say. But she's not grumpy. She's actually way too nice. And Nick Cage essentially steals from her because he's like, oh, I don't have enough money for three bus tickets, even though he's got a bag full of money in his hand. So she's like, oh, I'll cover it for you. So then the cops show up with the FBI, the FBI led by the dad from Step Brothers, who makes another appearance in back-to-back Nick Cage movies. Who knew? Because he was the lawyer in, in the last one, right? Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to get you involved in this podcast, huh? <laughs> I'm like sitting back and lounging you're like, in my chair. You're sitting listening. back in your chair, twirling your hair, just being like, go ahead, Steve, you do the rest. <laughs> so we don't even really know what happens in this scene because the cops of the FBI show up and they grab Nick Cage and they're like, hey, we know who you are. You're under arrest. 
and he drops the bag of money and then he somehow grabs somebody else's gun and fires it and then goes, oh my God, he's it's got a gun. It's the two bumbling idiots gun. The two bumbling idiots show up and they're like, they're the ones who get arrested or something. Yeah, I don't, dude, none of that scene made That any scene sense. made no sense. It was really poorly directed. <laughs> I like to hope that that wasn't Nick Cage directing. I like to hope that that was... <laughs> that that was George. <laughs> that was George. It was just like, yeah, you do, just do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> it probably was because it makes zero sense. Yeah. That scene. I, I could not follow it. Soon after, as they escape, Nick Cage does let out a very high-pitched shit. <laughs> mm, yes, I recall. Yes. So You know, you know what I was thinking? Mm-hmm. The bag of money, mm-hmm. it is incredible that they still have it. Oh, yeah. After all of this, they crashed the car off the bridge. And yep. He made it through that. And... and through the bus station where all the cops were. Yeah. People were after it. Then... They go and steal some random-ass boat from some random-ass house, and like a, like a canoe, and they just start canoeing down these massive rapids in Lancaster. <laughs> there are. Rapids? That big? Yes, I've kayaked around there. Okay. On the, uh, what is that Like called? by Jim Thorpe? Yes, in fact. The, the town name that's just a human person's name? Yeah. What do you have against Jim Thorpe? It's a first and last name. It's not Thorpe, Pennsylvania. Whatever, It's Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. Wouldn't you be honored if someone named a town after you? I'd rather it just be called McCallie, not Steve McCallie. Wow, you just told the podcast your full name. I think that might be the first time I I said my last name on this podcast. You say mine all the damn time. Well, that's because your name lends itself to it. You're like Tony Hawk. You're not just Tony. You're Tony Hawk. I know. I love my name. Yeah, you're Hannah Martin. You're not just (laughs) Hannah. (laughs) whatever (laughs) this is it i can't it's like the susquehanna river or something and that's also not lancaster county (laughs) that's what i'm saying are there massive rivers yeah there's i mean lancaster county includes cool yeah (laughs) anyone anyone really interested in pennsylvania geography yeah if anybody's really interested in pennsylvania geography just make sure you give hannah a call because she knows it off the top of her (laughs) (laughs) bless you you all just heard a live sneeze it was a little baby sneeze it was a little baby sneeze it was just one too huh yeah i'm either a one or two or i'm not Mm. i don't know I'm anywhere between like one and six. Really? Oh, yeah. It varies? Oh, yeah. I know some people will sneeze on the regular. A specific number. Uh huh. A good friend of ours who listens to the podcast, Nicole, she, she, at least for a long time, I don't know if she still does, but she was always one of those. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, like those quick, rapid fire ones. My parents, neighbors, the man of the house i won't out him on our podcast but he i i know who you're talking about (laughs) you're like my parents neighbors who they're good friends with the man of the house it's like that it's like yeah they've only got one of those (laughs) they have friends i know what do they listen i don't know man let's move on (laughs) what happens though what what's so bad that you're gonna (laughs) say sneezes (laughs) 10 times after every after dinner oh yeah, yeah that happens to a lot of people yeah 
but it, it they're pa- they're like paced out. Mm-hmm. Like there's gaps in between. It's not like a chew a chew a chew a chew a chew a chew a chew. I don't know why you were so reluctant to say his name. <laughs> because like, I don't want to. Bo- I don't want to bother. Him. What is he gonna get? Fan mail? <laughs> bother him for the twenty listeners we have on a weekly basis. Yeah, we have thirty. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> all right, we're cutting all this out. <laughs> no, we have to keep this in. <laughs> I know. We're we're almost finished with the movie. Oh my god, alright. So anyway. (laughs) (laughs) If you listen, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Is that a bad thing? He sneezes after he eats. I don't, you know. I don't want the cops coming after him. Oh my god. I have to like wipe my eyes. Alright, so they steal a boat from some random house. Da- We're still there. Yeah, Data Carvey falls oh, yeah, out. Rapids. In the rapids. That's oh my god, how did we get here? So <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh god. Uh so <laughs> I'm broken. Protective of this man for no reason. You're like, oh, I know this guy. You whispered the name, and you're like, you gave away every other detail. But it was just about him sneezing. Exactly. Nothing like nefarious. Right. That's why. Why did I? That's why I was so confused. As well, you also said your last name on this podcast. Oh my god. And you say mine all the time. So someone <laughs> logically, yeah, could find us. What are they gonna do? They're gonna go to my parents' neighbor's house and demand that he sneeze at them. <laughs> They're gonna feed. <laughs> They're gonna feed him dinner. <laughs> They're gonna demand that he sneeze ten times. They're I can't hold him at gunpoint as he sneezes ten times. <laughs> I can't keep all of this in. This this makes no sense to anybody. This is so dumb. (laughs) I can't get through this movie. Okay, let's move on. Okay. Oh, Christ. All right, so they're in the house after they rescue Dana Carvey from the rapids. (laughs) Then uh, Nick Cage is crying briefly, so that's kind of fun, but... So they decide to go to this big holiday festival, which attracts multiple people from around the state, I guess, to this holiday festival in Paradise, Pennsylvania. So they go, and Nick Cage runs into Sarah, where he, like, pulls her aside into a cemetery, because that's romantic. And, (laughs) yeah. And he, like, they're talking for a little while, and he leans (laughs) in. (laughs) Are you still thinking about it? (laughs) Okay, keep going. (laughs) I know, me too. I'm like, it makes no sense. I know. Okay, go ahead. So Nick Cage leads in for a kiss for this random Sarah chick, and she denies him. And we're like, oh. Thank God, someone with a brain. We're like, finally, a woman with some (laughs) self-respect. So then he goes back to this holiday festival, and his brothers are like, hey, we're going to steal this horse and carriage, this horse-drawn sleigh. 
So they do. And so we can get out of so here, not yeah. just for shits and kicks. No, yeah, but so like, okay, so they couldn't drive away because they drove their car off the road. They couldn't catch the bus because the cops showed up. Mm-hmm. They couldn't row Boat away, away because Dana Carvey fell out. <laughs> so now they're going to try a horse and buggy, or not really a buggy, but a sleigh. And the cops are like, oh, there's those guys. There they are that stole all the money. Or they're stealing the sleigh at least. So the cops start driving after them. And there's like a sleigh chase. And the cops inexplicably all crash their cars. Every single one of them (laughs) crashes their cars into a tree. (laughs) So... Well, it's because the the sleigh went off-road. And they were trying to go off-road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. So then they're like, okay, we made their way up back out to the interstate and the they leave the horse and then the horse takes a step further and the horse falls into like it's a small pond or mm-hmm. something, so the horse is like struggling. Yeah. So and they like, were going yeah. to hitchhike and they got a car to pull over for them and then mm-hmm. the horse started falling into the icy waters, so they felt bad and Went back for the horse. Still have their money. Somehow. Yep, somehow still have still this a, bag of money. A heavy ass bag full of almost 300 grand. It's like a... Actually, you know what it looks like? It looks like one of those Ikea bags. Yeah. Like, like a, a big, big blue. blue Ikea bag. Yeah. But with a zipper on it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so they go and save the horse. Then out of nowhere, they're just at some nearby diner. And they're in different clothes. So this is... Somewhere in between there is the scene where they, you know, Nick Cage directed, right? Because they're in completely oh, yeah, new yeah, clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. So, well, the is... scene that John mentioned, but right? I, right. We know that he directed, that Nick Cage directed like half of the movie. That's true. <laughs> so this is where they decide, or at least Nick Cage decides. He's like, oh, I'm going to give all the money back. Um, yeah. You guys can join me or not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give at least my share of the money back to the vault. I still have the vault key, so we'll sneak in. We'll open up the vault, and we'll put all the money back right where, right, right where it belongs. So they're like, okay, great. And then he, like, this is also where John Lovitz comes clean about the whole plan and that it was just kind of like a ruse to get Nick Cage down to the, you know, down to paradise to help them rob the bank. So on his way out, Nick Cage flips the table, uh... And he's looking around for a ride to paradise, and who does he find a ride with? But it's those two prison guys who escaped. So Who have his mother in the trunk. Yes, there was a small <laughs> scene that we skipped over, but they put his mother in the trunk of the car. I guess they're holding, they're her, holding her hostage. hostage for ransom, I guess. I guess so. So they're in So it's just Nick Cage and these two guys in this car. And uh, this is the laziest writing. This is so weird what happens in the scene. It's like a really weird energy in this scene in the car. And Nick is you like... You know what it reminds me of? What? Okay, we're going to have a really uh, oh esoteric conversation here again. Okay. Which can be deleted, but I just want you to know. Okay. You know when we used to say a bunch of words and then the ultimately we would get to... Um, Illuminati? Illuminati. <laughs> yeah. Be like... <laughs> I don't even know. It'd be like, like an apple. An apple is round. So is a circle. round is a shape. Round is a shape. A triangle, triangle is, is a shape. shape. Illuminati. Illuminati. <laughs> like we would just do that all the time for everything. Like for anything that we couldn't explain, we would yeah. just make some really long exactly. jump to Illuminati. And that's kind of how this scene is. <laughs> yeah. Because Nick Cage gets in and he's like, 
isn't life great? Isn't life grand? I feel so good because he can't say, but he's like, he's giving, gonna get yeah, back on the money. he feels good about himself finally. So they go, hey, you're feeling great. You must be in love. And he's like, I'm not in love. I don't have a picture of someone I'm in love with in my wallet. But, but I do have a picture of my mom. In my wallet. <laughs> hey, I have a picture of my mom in my wallet. Why don't we compare, compare pictures? pictures. Of our moms. Because that's what just bros do in New York in the New early York. to mid-90s. I love my ma. I love, my I love New York. <laughs> spaghetti and gravy and a little sauce. Sauce. <laughs> so they compare pictures. Oh, and <laughs> before all of this happens is where Nick Cage screams something along the lines of, Life is great. Yeah? Yeah? Isn't life great? So they show pictures of his mother and then, like, they start taking shots at well, Nick. Well, he realizes that his yeah. mom is the woman in the trunk, so then he's the third brother, because mm-hmm. these prison dudes never knew Nick. He only knew Dana Carvey and John Lovitz, so he's right. like, oh my god, putting the pieces together, I gotta shoot him. Right. So they start shooting, and Nick Cage jumps out of the car again with, with the, the money. money, and they just drive away. These guys who... How does he still have the money? I just don't understand. I don't get it either. It doesn't make any sense. And meanwhile, Dana Carvey and, and John Lovitz catch up on their horse and sleigh. And they're just like, oh, hey, there you are. And Nick screams at... I think mostly Dana Carvey is like, we gotta have a serious talk. Yeah, fine. They sneak into the bank. And this was the other scene that is very clearly improvised because... <laughs> They're like yelling at each other about like how to put the money back or something. And they start doing this really wild pointing motion at each other. They're pointing on every accent of a is word that, or on every yeah, syllable. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. So they're pointing. So Nick like starts that. doing that. And then mm-hmm. I think John is does it back and then Dana does it. Yes, I agree. I think that's what happens. So they put the wrong key in the wrong door and the sirens go off and there's some kind of indiscriminate screaming. I probably won't cut in. But so what they decide because they can't get into the bank vault is that they're going to leave with the money and they're going to leave it the money on the uh, doorstep of the priest. So they go to the priest's house. They leave it on the doorstep. They're kind of skipping down the street and they're like, ah, we, we did it. We did the right thing. There's no way we're getting caught now. We returned everything. We returned all the money. And then there's two convenience store owners, the ones who are supposed the to be... The two bumbling idiots. Yeah, the bumbling idiots. They're they're like, hey, you there, we're going to take you to the bank owner's house? I don't... <laughs> so they take them to the bank owner's house. Why didn't he take them to the police station? I don't know, Steve. <laughs> So they go to the bank owner's house, and who's there at the bank owner's house but the two prison guys it's and their mother. It's more lazy writing to try to get everyone in the same place. And the sheriff's son is there for some reason. The, so there's three <laughs> mentally challenged people so, there for comedic effect in one room. So now you've got the bank owner, his wife, Sarah, the sheriff's son. <laughs> You've got the two bumbling idiots that own the convenience store who are also sheriff deputies. And there were like more people there too. Yeah. They were like randos. You've got the two prison guys, the two guys from prison. You got Nick Cage's mom. You got Nick Cage himself, John Lovitz, Dana Carvey. That's at least 12 people. And then plus some. Plus like four or five other fillers. Yeah. (laughs) Just like all these random ass people in this house. Because it's Christmas Eve, I guess. Oh, yeah. But. Could be. 
I don't know why he took him there instead of the police station. But anyhow. Yep, well, to yeah. get them all in one room. So they kind of confess what they'd done, you know, and, uh, well, when they first walk in, Nick Cage sees his mom and he screams, Mom! And then he starts confessing about what they did and he says something along the lines of, Mom! I'm being held hostage on the night baby Jesus was born. What the hell does it look like? Well, you're in for a rude awakening, pal, because there's no money, okay? No! No! Doesn't he get down on his knees and start crying at yes. some point? Yeah, the, the, during that line. There's no money, okay? <laughs> and then somebody says something, and, and I probably won't cut this part in, but he's just like, no! Like He's like, well, there's no money, then there's no need to keep your mother alive or something, and points <laughs> the gun at the mother. But he's like, no, you can't do that. Then... The fucking FBI shows up, again, led by the dad from Step Brothers, and they just fire these gas canisters <laughs> into the house to just smoke everybody out, even though there's, like, largely innocent people in this house. It's mostly civilians. It's mostly civilians. Let's just smoke them out. I don't know if that's the proper protocol or not. I, don't, I can't imagine. I can't is. imagine. But, so... John Lovitz also reveals that he was the one who wrote the letter that, you know, he what that the it doesn't matter. We explained it earlier. But when Nick Cage finds this out, he goes up straight up to John Lovitz's face. He's like an inch from John Lovitz's face. And he goes, liar, liar, pants on fire, nose as long as a telephone wire. And then he boops him on the nose. He does like a Pinocchio. Yeah. Stretch out the nose and then boops him. Yeah, and like I guess during all of the commotion of the gas canisters going off, the sheriff's son, who's mentally disabled, steals a gun and shoots like both of the criminals. They're just like fine because they end up at the police station later. I don't know, man. I don't know. There's also a three-legged dog. <laughs> yeah, tripod. Yeah. Yeah, the dog's name was Tripod. So Apparently, there's actually on IMDb there was yeah. some you know the trivia section. Oh yeah. The three-legged dog tripod was added to the script when the director saw the dog and its owner among spectators watching the film in in Ontario. Oh my god. So it was just like ah cool let's add it. So they all get to the police station and there's just a fucking million people in this scene at the police station. There's like as many people in this scene as there were at the bank after he brought all yeah. the people from the restaurant into the bank. Oh yeah, there's police officers, there's FBI guys, there's all those people we mentioned a second ago. And you know the guy from Step Brothers is trying to I should probably know that actor's name, but I just don't. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and Everybody, he's trying to figure out what happened and Sarah covers for them. She's like, oh, no, these three guys, they were Christmas shopping with me. And, like, everybody covers for them for no reason. And there's a lot of really long silences until the guy from Step Brothers kind of bookends this movie by doing what Nick Cage did in the beginning where he goes, what, 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 Just like Nick Cage in the beginning went, ay, 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 so and he's also like, oh, well, you know, they must be guilty because they bought they came into our store and bought three ski masks earlier. And he's like, oh, you bought three ski masks. Show me the ski masks. And Dana Carvey goes, you want to see three? And he gets up and walks across the room and pulls three ski masks out of his coat pocket. And then walks back across the room. Like, it makes no sense the blocking in this movie or this scene. It's. That's what John complained about. He was like, yeah. he didn't want to choreograph any of these yeah. scenes. Right. It's really just poorly put together. Anyway, 
they get away with it, and by this time, it's Christmas morning, and they make their way back to the bus station. Everybody's about to get on the bus. Nick Cage runs back into Sarah, and he's like, what if I settle down in a small town like this one? And then they kiss for no reason. We thought this woman had some self-respect, and they just she just doesn't. Nope. And uh, the bus leaves without Nick Cage. He stays in paradise, and the credits roll. And that's the movie. What's his name? You got Richard him. Jenkins. Richard Jenkins. <laughs> From Step Brothers, It Could Happen to You, and now Trapped in Paradise. Nothing else, though. No. No. That's... Forget Cat. all other 114 credits he has, which is more than oh, Nicolas Cage. Yeah, but he's small roles. He's never been a leading man. At least, not never, but he's, he's not really much of a leading man. Cabin in the Woods. I mean, he one. was in Eat, Pray, Love. Shit. He was Richard from Texas. Well. According to IMDb. What incredible acting. All right. We're already at a really long podcast. I mean, most of it's getting cut out. <laughs> <laughs> Any closing thoughts, Anne? Yeah, it's just... I can only imagine the chaos that was on that set. Right. And it kind of really shows through it, in this It movie. really did. If it were a well-coordinated movie, do you think that this movie would have been a like a Christmas classic? I think it could have been. Yeah. I mean, it's got a great cast. Yeah. I mean, you know, Love It's Alone, I think, yeah. is, is hilarious. I mean, so is Dana Carvey. People yeah. love Dana Carvey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think that this um, director really squandered his opportunity to make something that potentially yeah. could have been like a, a classic christmas movie yeah i hear uh bad boys for life the newest oh. bad boys movie is supposed to be really good and he was the writer for that did he so. write they let him keep writing them <laughs> he's he's got a, a winning formula these movies do well so yeah well, yep. he's i guess four for five <laughs> on that <laughs> of, of movies that we know yeah yeah and i enjoyed nick's performance it was fine yeah yeah it was pretty cagey. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it there. Let's see here. Next point is going to be our Nicolas Cage Awards. Let's get to the it. The best and worst moments of Nick Cage in the movie. Stoked. Our best supporting actor. You mentioned the mother. <laughs> I really liked her. She was pretty witty. She was pretty sassy. She raised those three criminals. <laughs> she sure did. <laughs> um, We've traditionally given it to the dog. We could give it to Tripod. Mm-hmm. Or we could give now it to that I know Jenkins. that Tripod wasn't even an actor, right? Giving it to to Tripod or yeah. to or to the mother. I have to. All right, let's do it to the respect. dog. Respect, respect right. to that dog. Yes, he showed charisma watching from the crowds. Yeah, and then they uh, couldn't not put him in the movie. Right. <laughs> of course, they had to. <laughs> yeah, it was you. essential to the <laughs> I choose you. It's how we all want to be recognized. <laughs> So, best dressed, I think, is pretty obvious. I think it's those orange sunglasses and the ski mask. Not green, yes. Orange sunglasses, ski mask. Yeah. All right. Uh, Worst Nick Cage scene. Which one didn't do it for you? Maybe the end? Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Or, no, the one, the scene where he is in the cemetery with the girl and he tries to kiss her. Okay. Stupid. Yeah, I'm good with that. Best Nick Cage scene. Maybe the bank robbery. That was really good. It was if you really com- chaotic. If you combine the bank robbery and him going over to the cafe or the, or yes. the diner yeah, across the street. Yeah, that whole scene. Yeah, that's pretty I think that was the best fun. scene in the movie. Oh, absolutely. General. Absolutely. That's why it's in the trailer, probably. It's true. Yeah. Uh, best scream. There are a lot of good screams in this movie. 
I think it's, I think it's gonna be between the second one. What I'm, was the second screen? I'm robbing a bank. No, no, no. The expression on your face. Yeah. That one's not. That was one was it not? Good. No, no, no. I think it's gonna be between key, key, key. <laughs> I'm robbing a bank. And isn't life great? <laughs> it's probably I'm robbing a bank. Okay. It's most iconic for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm robbing a bank. I'm robbing the. It's either I'm robbing the bank because he screams it when he's in the the diner, or the or the cafe, <laughs> or he's ro- or he says I'm robbing a bank. I forget. It doesn't matter. Probably the bank. It's probably the bank. But <laughs> doesn't matter. Uh. So then our final award, which is the most nouveau shamanic moment. Was it him flicking the ear of the? Ooh. So. Also, he has really aggressive hands when he says, I'm just passing through. He does that, like, kind of wiggle yeah, with his hands does. that we talked about earlier. Uh, oh, wait. No, no, no. It's liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> nose as long nose as a as telephone as wire. A and then he boops his nose. <laughs> it's just his delivery of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we could edit that one in if, if you want to. Yeah. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Nose is as long as a telephone yeah there's a lot of really nouveau shamanic moments in this movie there that's are. for sure unnecessarily absolutely <laughs> like i mentioned earlier we kept saying like what is this character so our next goal will be to rank this movie mm. so where are you thinking generally i think it's middle, middle towards to the, the top. top so i was thinking earlier i think it's probably above valley girl and then that would put it just below birdie but that's... I think below Valley Girl. You think below Valley Girl. Yeah. So next one down is Moonstruck. Right above Moonstruck. Okay. So that would put it at number 10, I believe. That's pretty low. But it got a 10 on Rotten Tomatoes, so <laughs> it's I only mean, fitting. Yeah, but it's also like, that's 10 out of 25. That's true. So it's a lot of movies. So just below Valley I'm good Girl. With between Valley Girl and Moonstruck. Okay. So that'll put it at number 10, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's fine. All right. Well, next week we are watching a movie called The Kiss of Death. It's got like a 68 on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. Uh, he's back with Samuel L. Jackson and this time oh, with David Caruso. So we'll see what that one's all about. Oh, man, we're getting... So- oh, wow. And then after that, we're going to be in the golden cage. Yeah. Oh, so so we talked about this. <laughs> so for March, we're going to do a March Madness type of... Yeah, we'll have to do some kind bracket. of bracket. Yeah. And when we think about Nick's career, we think about it in different ages yeah. of history. Mm-hmm. And we keep saying that... Like the upcoming age is going to be the golden cage. Yes. I think that where he is in like the mid 2000s, once he starts running into some financial duress, he Mm. is going to be in the dark cage. (laughs) The dark cages. I think that the cage, the age that we are in right now is the stone cage. Yeah. Because that's like the the fundamentals. And he's also likely stoned for a lot of these movies. Also fair. (laughs) doing lots of drugs so those are the different ages but i think that i think that maybe by the end of this we need to separate his movies into like types Mm. if that makes sense sure like movies you can group together Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of how we're ranking, you know? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Oh, boy. We did it. We're be- we came back after a week off with a vengeance. Probably an episode that ended up being twice as long as our usual episodes. <laughs> For no reason at all. Because <laughs> we broke down <laughs> while we talked about sneezing. Oh, man. That's that. All right. So I'm looking forward to getting into the golden cage, and Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to ending the stone cage. Yeah. Coming up soon. Yeah. All right. Anything else on on your end? (laughs) On my end? Steve No. (laughs) Forget my last name. (laughs) And now you know why the Nick Cage Bird sings. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. (laughs) 